1: Alright, all of you Disney fans, you tuned in for another magical installment of Disney Blues, Disney On Demand, and this week for show number 144. For the week of April 7th, 2016, we're opening up the books, we're reading the pages, we're getting immersed into magic, mystery, fantasy, and so much more, as we're welcoming none other than Tammy Stronic here to the show. Now, Tammy, you may know, is the childlike empress from The Neverending Story, the 1984 classic film that has been passed on to generations. She's also part of the Paper Canoe Theatre Company, a dancer, a singer, and so much more. And Tammy's going to stop in and talk about a variety of different things, what it was like working on this classic, iconic 80s film, getting recognized as a childlike empress, what exactly is she doing now with the Paper Canoe Theatre Company, and so much more from her career and upcoming events. In addition, no show would be complete without the D-Team, and since the show is going to be full of magic, mystery, wonder, and fun, you have the questions, he has the answers, and Aaron is going to answer all All your questions and I want to know. We have Nathan who's dusting off the books and taking a look back at what just happened this week in Disney history. Cody is strolling on down the Hollywood Walk with more about our very special guest this week, Miss Tammy Stronic. We also have Paige live from the Magic Kingdom in the Walt Disney World Resort with this week's Magical Music Review. And we're going to uncover the mystery, the mythical, the Blu-ray and DVDs from the vault with our very own Jason. And like I said, this show is going to be full of all kinds of magic, mystery fun, fantasy, and so much more. There is tons of news hot off the D-Wire from the Disney Channel, Star Wars, Animal Kingdom, Disney Junior, Goldie and Bear, and tons of things. So there's a lot of fun coming to this week's show. Now, you also may be wondering, never-ending story. It's not necessarily Disney. Let's just say there's a lot of ways you can connect it to Disney. Yes, Mickey Mouse is hidden within that film. Yes, he truly is. Also, come on, they live in Fantasia. And also our very special guest, Tammy, has a little bit of a connection from her childhood being in a play that's uh, specifically for a Disney character. So there's lots of things to connect these two together, and I'm excited to take this trip to Fantasia and the never-ending story. Because if anybody knows what it is to tell a story, to have it carry on, to have it go on for generations... It is Disney. They are the true tale of a never-ending story. With all the imagination, the fun, and the wonder that gets passed on to generations, Disney is a true tale of a never-ending story. So before I officially kick off this week's show, I do want to mention that DizRadio.com is probably sponsored by Mickey's Travel. And Mickey's Travel is a 100% free, no fee agency they've been in business since 1994 they're knowledgeable they're experts and they're going to help you plan book and prepare and make the most magical Disney vacation that you can possibly have from booking those dining reservations your resort the tickets figuring out the best way to meet those characters they are going to take care of you. And guess what? Just by mentioning that you heard about them here at Diz Radio, they're gonna hook you up. Yes, you heard me right from Lanyard's Autograph Books and so much more. All you have to do is mention Diz Radio, and they are going to hook you up. So definitely check them out. Mickeystravel.com, the official sponsor of Diz Radio. So, all VD heads, with that said, I am excited for this week's show. Like I said, tons of fantasy, tons of magic tons of wonder and get yourself immersed into these books because that is truly where you can disappear into different lands and places so i'm excited so let's officially kick off show number 144 for the week of april 7th 2016 and let's head in to the never-ending story be right back all beauty heads let's kick this one off
2: What is the secret of this enchanted book? What wonders are hidden within its pages? What magical spell does it cast on all who read it? What is the secret of the never-ending story?
3: But that's impossible!
2: enter a world where a young boy's imagination becomes a vivid reality the world of atreyu and artax the rockbiter and a good and kind gnome a world that is vast and eternal and treacherous and dazzling unforgettable and free yeah! for anyone who's ever made a wish Believed in a fantasy, or had a dream. This is the Never Ending Story.
4: Hi, this is Tammy Stronach from the Never Ending Story. You're listening to Disney On Demand.
2: Here you. Hear ye, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the Magic Kingdom. You are warmly invited to join Mickey Mouse and his Fantasyland friends for a magical celebration in the streets. Dreams will come true, hearts will soar, and you will become a part of the magic, for the time has come to take your places and prepare to welcome... The wondrous and wonderful Festival of
0: Disney Blues. Disney On Demand.
5: You hear that? It's the winds of change.
0: Here's your host,
5: Jonathan Johnson.
6: Nice
1: All right, all of you D-heads, so I hope you enjoy the official kickoff for show number 144 for the week of April 7th. 2016, as we are gearing up for the childlike empress herself, the dancer, and so much more, Tammy Stronach is gonna be stepping in here at the show. We have tons from the D-Team, from Aaron, Nathan, Cody, Paige, and Jason, all stopping in here this week, and all kinds of fun. So there's a lot of great things on the horizon, and I do have to say, I am excited to be part of this never-ending Story, to continue on and bring these magic and tidbits to even all of you D-heads. Beyond just the film, The Neverending Story, getting immersed in books and stories, and continuing on to pass it on to my children and generation, I am excited for this week's show, full of fantasy, mystery, wonder, and more. So before I officially jump into news hot off the D-Wire, as always, because we do have a lot of news here this week, I do want to give you all the different ways that you can stay connected here at the show. And first and foremost, you can always visit our official website at dizradio.com, D-I-Z-Radio.com. There you can find our full list of past shows, the complete archives, our latest news blogs, our lifetime of Disney player, the podcast archives, and more Right there on our official website at dizradio.com, d-i-z radio.com. You can also connect up with all of the social media outlets on Facebook at facebook.com/slash Disney On Demand. You can also join our Facebook discussion group, the D Wire Discussion Group, on Facebook as well. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and many other places. Just search Disney On Demand, Disney Blue—that's B-L-U—or Diz Radio. DIZ Radio, all of which are going to help you find our fun, unique, magical, different kind of Disney show. And if you want to get the show right there on your mobile device, your Android, your iPhone, your tablet, instantly, you can't wait, you need it right away. All you have to do is subscribe through iTunes and Stitcher Radio. It is that simple. Subscribe through iTunes and Stitcher Radio and get the latest shows right there to listen to in your earbuds, on your iPads, in your office, and get the magic instantly when it's released every week. And remember, you can find all of these links and more on our official website at dizradio.com, D-I-Z-Radio.com. So all of you Dads, with that said, it is time to continue on here, and let's jump into news hot off the D-Wire, and how about some Disney music because who doesn't love Disney music and how about Walt Disney Records announcing a compilation album Everybody Loves Disney. Now Walt Disney Records has released the compilation album Everybody Loves Disney which is now available on all download stores, streaming services and also at physical locations. Now, The album features YouTube stars with a combined 14 million subscribers and 2.7 billion views delivering their own unique interpretations of Disney classic songs. Now, we do know that recently Disney has released We Love Disney, which was covering songs by very popular artists from pop and rock realms as well. Well, now this one is going to highlight many different things from YouTube stars. Yes, you're going to have Go the Distance from Kurt Hugo Snyder and Sean Hook. Colors of the Wind. Can you feel the love tonight? Friend Like Me. A Dream is a Wish Your Heart Makes. A Whole New World by Alex G. Let It Go by Peter Hollins. As well as Rainbow Connection, Zero to Hero, and Wanna Be like you. Now, Everybody Loves Disney is now available at all download stores and streaming services. Now, the video playlist can be seen on youtube.com. Just search it. I'm not going to go through the entire URL here because it's crazy long. Now, We Love Disney is also available as well, which I stated was from a variety of different popular artists covering Disney's tracks as well. So, this is a way for Disney to give back and realize everybody loves Disney. Although, come on, from the marketing standpoint, they made sure that everybody has a combined of 14 million subscribers and more. So we got to make sure that they're legitimate and going to get the views. But now you can check it out. Everybody loves Disney, as well as we love Disney. Now, moving along here, let's get away from the music and let's swim. Just keep on swimming. Yes, can you name that movie? I bet you can. Keep on swimming. Well, now you can just keep on swimming in style with Finding Dory's brand new collection by Trina Turk. That's right, celebrating Dory's return to the silver screen, This June, in Disney Pixar's Finding Dory, Disney Consumer Products and Interactive Media has collaborated for the first time with Golden State designer Trina Turk to bring fans an all-new Finding Dory collection. Now, it's going to launch later this month. Now, it's featuring ready-to-wear beach apparel for women and girls, swimwear for the whole family, including handbags and accessories, and even swimming trunks for men as well. Now, as Trina Turk has stated, our brand's Southern California vibe was a perfect fit with Disney Pixar. Finding Dory. The inspiration for the print came from the, from the film's background art, with Dory and Nemo swimming through the bright, multicolored seaweed, coral, and many other things against an aqua background. Now, these cheerful surroundings provide the perfect backdrop for Dory and her friends in exclusive prints. Now, being influenced by the California beach lifestyle and the vintage looks of the 60s and 70s, designer Trina Turk's collections are both casual and sophisticated. Now Trina's designs reflect the confidence and creativity making Disney Pixar's Finding Dory the perfect muse for her bold colors and cheerful prints. Now Finding Dory and the Trina Turk fans alike will find a stylish new look and Disney has really set off to try to make this happen. Now Disney Consumer Products has stated our first designer beachwear collaboration inspired by the world of Disney Pixar delivers a wonderful and stylish range for the first time ever For summer, said Josh Silverman. Now, Finding Dory Collection from Trina Turk celebrates the much-loved characters from the movie through the unique designs, offering the perfect blend of fun and fashion. Now, if you want to find out more about this, maybe you want to pick up your own version of the swimsuits, maybe you want to go there and be part of this collection and really be styling it this summer in a true 60s and 70s style, all you have to do is visit TrinaTurk.com. Now, moving along here, let's get into something I love and collectibles, yes? And I'm not talking about any kind of collectibles. I'm talking about toys. Yes, I am a big toy fan at heart. Many of you D-Heads know this as well. I love my action figures, my toys, you name it. And how about Entertainment Earth celebrating its 20th anniversary? April 2016 is the long-awaited milestone for the Lebowitz brothers, Aaron and Jason. On April 1st, 2016, the company they founded, Entertainment Earth, celebrated its 20th anniversary. Now, since its website first went live over 20 years ago, Entertainment Earth has distinguished itself as the authoritative source for toys and collectibles, offering tens of thousands of unique items available for order and pre-order at any given time. With a staff of experts who themselves are personal collectors, Entertainment Earth serves as a go-to source for the latest and greatest action figures, bobbleheads, toys, gifts, and collectibles, and I have to tell you, I've bought from them many, many times great source and great outlet. Now, Entertainment Earth wasn't always the force it is now. However, in the early days, it was staffed by just three people in a garage in the San Fernando Valley of Los Angeles, California. But the dreams of Aaron and Jason were far greater than the expanse of their 1996 workspace, and the company soon grew into a true powerhouse that it is today. Now, Jason, the president and co-founder of Entertainment Earth, has said, I am a collector myself. I knew in 1996 that it was impossible to have the newest action figures and toys shipped to my house at retail prices in mint condition. And Aaron and I decided to do something about it. We originally started this company as a one-stop source for Star Wars action figures for collectors. Now, over the years, our clients have led us to have a deep knowledge of all kinds of toys and collectibles. Now, among many of the successes of Entertainment Earth over the years are the conception of its wholesale division, EE Distribution, along with the information of the company's own manufacturing arm, Biff Bang Pow and it's this is their licensing partners division. Now by spearheading the game-changing industry, they host a variety of different booths and more at the San Diego Comic-Con since 1997. Now it's thanking its clients for the last 20 years by giving him a free gift with every order in the month of April and it's celebrating with various employees appreciating events, social media giveaways, and more. So if you want to find out more about Entertainment Earth, I gotta say this is the place you want to go. If you're looking to get the collectibles, you're looking to get these items, you want to do it through Entertainment Earth. You can find out more at EntertainmentEarth.com and happy 20th anniversary from somebody I've been purchasing from since probably at least 1999. Now, moving along here, let's talk into something that's a little bit different on the company side of Disney, and how about Playbuzz securing $15 million in strategic funding from Saban Ventures and Disney. Now, Playbuzz is the leading platform for online content engagement and social distribution. Now, they did announce this week that it raised $15 million in new funding that's being led by Saban Ventures in participation from the Walt Disney Company. Now, Playbuzz will use the investment to further enhance its content engagement platform and expand and its sponsored content business, which already works as many of the world's leading brands to create and distribute advertising campaigns at a huge scale. Now they are going to push this further and they said engaging content is the key to media consumption. And Playbuzz has positioned itself as a leading platform for media companies and brands to create and distribute such content across all devices, said Pridor, managing partner of Saban Ventures. Now Disney and Saban Ventures together have now put in another 15 million for them to figure out the best way to advertise and make us really want those Disney goodies. Come on, you can't go wrong with that. Now, shifting to the small screen here, let's get into something that I know my youngest daughter loves. And how about Goldie and Bear? Yes, Goldie and Bear, the best fairy tale friends, is coming on DVD April 19th. And you're also going to get a free playtime activity kit included. Yes, join best friends Goldie and Bear on their adventures through Fairy Tale Forest in Disney Jr.'s hit series Goldie and Bear. Best Fairy Tale Friends, like I said, hitting DVD April 19th. Now, it's going to include seven episodes for over two hours of classic fairy tales with a twist. Now, in addition to this, you are going to get some perks for buying the DVD. You're going to get an exclusive playtime fun activity kit with reusable stickers, games, and as they're putting it, even more items that they don't want to disclose. Now, if you haven't seen the show on Disney Junior, it's very cute, it's fun, it's educational, and everyone knows of Golden locks into three bears but after that story ended a remarkable friendship began now you can team up with the newfound best friends goldie and bear on amazing adventures as they laugh play and learn important life lessons from the wondrous fairy tale forest you can climb a beanstalk with jack try on little red's famous hood outsmart the tricky Bid bad wolf and more now you can join goldie and bear and many other nursery rhyme characters in a magical song-filled adventures every single day. Now the voice cast does have some great people behind it, including Georgie Kidder, Mitchell Whitfield, David Kaufman, Barry Wiggins, Mary Birdsong, as well as, yes, one of our past guests here, who we all know, Disney alum, jim cummings and natalie lander now the dvd is getting released on april 19th and it's only going to be one disc but you are going to get the activity kit as well now the episodes that are getting included is going to be the birthday chair big bear fee fifo shoe little red riding hood bears red shoes and goose sitters moon jump big good wolf pinocchio The Clubhouse That Jack Built, The Egg, Golden Kickball, and Thumbelina's Wild Ride, and The Big Bad House Guest. Now, if it sounds like I gave you 14 episodes, that's because each episode is comprised of two halves, the first 15 minutes and the second 15 minutes. So, in a way, you're getting about 14 episodes. But now it's coming April 19th, Goldie and Bear, The Best Fairy Tale Friends, is coming to DVD on April 19th. Now, moving from the small screen, let's get into the parks, one of my favorite things, as well as many of you, and how about the Magic Kingdom? Yes, and Walt Disney World introducing Disney Early Morning Magic. Now, after announcing its late-night after-hours ticket package last month, which Caitlin from the team here has announced as well, Walt Disney World has announced a new early-morning offer called Disney Early Morning Magic. Now, the package will allow a very limited number of guests to be among the first to enter the Magic Kingdom to enjoy breakfast and experience select Fantasyland attractions. Now, the attractions are Peter Pan's Flight, the Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh, and you can also have breakfast being served at the Pinocchio Village House from 8.30 a.m. to 10 a.m., and it's going to feature fruits, pastries, waffles, and more. Now, the Disney Early Morning Magic does require a separate ticket, $69 for adults and $59 for children ages 3 to 9, Now in addition to the regular theme park admission. To me, I really don't know if that's worth it. I really don't know if it's worth it to to get in that much earlier for that. But, you know, beginning April 26th, you can have it take place on select days. You can get in from 7.45 to 10 a.m., and the official check-in will take place near the far left turnstiles of the Magic Kingdom entrance beginning at 7.30 a.m. Now, you also have to note that around 9 a.m., the theme park will open to guests with regular admission tickets and event-only attraction access will end. So, really, you're paying this extra, you know, $70 to get in for about an hour and a half. I don't know if it's worth it, but maybe if I could just get those special shots of the park being empty, maybe it's worth it to me. Either way, I'm sure somebody is going to really enjoy this and have a blast. Now, moving right along here, let's get into something that's close to the Walt Disney World Resort, and also something that originated here in my home state of Wisconsin. And how about the Burger Chain Culver's to open a location near Walt Disney World? That's right, the Wisconsin Burger based Chain Culver's is now going to open a location in Kissimmee, roughly seven miles west of the Walt Disney World Resort. Now the fast food chain, known for its frozen custards, butter burgers, and Wisconsin cheese curds is expected to open by the fall, according to the Orlando Business Journal. Now the restaurant, which will be built on Bronson Memorial Highway in Kissimmee, is the second Culver's location in Central Florida. Now this is a fantastic restaurant. I'm not gonna go into it. It is typical fast food, burgers, fries, fish baskets, chicken strips, but it is good. I mean, their butter burgers are fantastic. The custard is awesome. It is really good. But now they're going to be opening one coming very soon this fall in Kissimmee. So get ready for that. Well, moving forward here, let's get back to the parks and back to Animal Kingdom once again. And how about Rivers of Light getting delayed? Yes, the debut of Rivers of Light, a nighttime spectacular plan for Disney's Animal Kingdom has been delayed. Now, the show was scheduled to begin at the theme park on April 22nd. Now, other new attractions, including an after dark version of the popular Kilimanjaro safaris that were set to premiere that day also have been delayed as well. Now, the park was planning special lighting effects for its iconic tree of life and additional street entertainment that would kick off on April 22nd, which is Animal Kingdom's birthday as well as Earth Day. Now, as they have stated, with the expansion of Disney's Animal Kingdom, we're excited to give guests even more opportunities to celebrate the magic of animals and nature as the day turns into night. While we'd hope to debut these offerings on April 22nd, unfortunately, they will not be open as planned on that date, as we're giving the team more time to bring these innovative experiences to life in a way we know will exceed our guests' expectations, said Andrea Finger, a Walt Disney World spokesman. Now the April 22nd opening date had been announced earlier in March but now it is officially getting delayed so all VG heads with that said I'm going to release the reins here to the D team I'm going to take a break here as we continue on to be part of the never-ending story you have questions, he has the answers, and Aaron is going to stop in and answer all those questions, and I want to know. We also have Nathan dusting off those books, giving you what just happened this week in Disney history, and so much more. So before I officially release those reins, I do want to mention that DizRadio.com is probably sponsored by Mickey's Travel, and Mickey's Travel is a 100% free, no-fee agency. They're knowledgeable, they're experts, and they've been in business since 1994. They're going to help you plan, book, and prepare, and make it the most magical Walt is World vacation that you could possibly have from character experiences, tickets, resort reservations, and more, they are going to make it magical for you and unforgettable. And just by mentioning that you heard about them here at Diz Radio, they are going to hook you up from lanyards, autograph books, and more. It is that simple, just mention Diz Radio, and they're going to hook you up. So definitely check them out, Mickey's Travel.com, the official sponsor of Diz Radio. So, all VD ads with that said, we're going to continue on with fantasy, mystery stories, reading, and so much more. As we continue on for our very special guest, Tammy Stronick, stopping in here very shortly from The NeverEnding Story. So with that, when you think of stories, you think of telling stories about great individuals. You think of stories that, you know, are ones that come to life. Think of stories where you wish you could go to that place, much like Peter Pan and Wendy telling stories of him. So let's all head off to that second star to the right as we continue on with show number 144 for the week of April 7th, 2016. And I'll be right back, all VD heads.
2: The world of Falcor and the Treyu. Inglewood and the Rockbiter. I'm very pleased to meet all of you. Creatures of a boy's imagination. Brought to life by the magic of the never-ending story. Rated PG. Now playing. Check newspapers for a theater near you. Yes. Yeah.
0: You have questions, we have answers. Let's dip our hands into the virtual mailbag and uncover the truth in I Want to Know.
7: Hey D-Heads, this is Aaron, and it's time again for another installment of I Want to Know. Hard to believe that we're three months into this year. Time flies and you're having fun. Well, you guys have been busy sending in questions, and the virtual mailbag is full so let's reach in and see what questions we have for this week. Our first one is from Michelle Jones, and she writes, Aaron of Disney On Demand, I had a question about the stage in front of Cinderella Castle. How long has it been in front of the castle, and when was the last time you could just walk through it completely from Main Street to Fantasyland? Thank you. I miss being able to experience the magical walking through. Well, the Castle Forecourt has always been used as a stage in one way or another. Originally, the area between the forward sweep of the ramps into the castle was a mildly raised platform used for band performances. In the mid-70s, a small stage went up in that space used for kids of kingdom performances and marching band shows. Sometimes it was used for a bit more. By the 90s, it would host the occasional special event show for the Christmas parties, the first real change came in 2001 in elaborate stage show called Cinderella Surprise Celebration. The next show in 2005, Cinderella bration raised the stakes by adding a taller, more elaborate stage and daytime fireworks. Of course, we just saw the end of Dream Along with Mickey that started in 2006. It will be replaced this summer by Mickey's Royal Friendship Fair. You can still walk through the castle from the two pathways on either side of the stage. They are closed while the castle stage show is going on and at night for the fireworks. Other than that, it should be open, but that is always at Disney's discretion. The murals are beautiful in the castle, so it's definitely worth a visit. Our next question is from Frank Olson of Houston, Texas. and He writes, Aaron of the D-Team, Question regarding something I really love, Disney dogs. How many important dogs are there in animated Disney history? It may be too big to answer. Also, do they still make the Disney character guidebooks? I bet that could answer my question. Well, important dogs is kind of a wide open question. So I'll give you what I feel are some important dogs in Disney animation. Pluto and Goofy are the easy ones. Then, in no particular order, there's Max Goof, Bolt, Pongo and Perdite, and of course all the puppies from 101 Dalmatians, Copper from The Fox and the Hound, Tramp and Lady from Lady and the Tramp, Doug from Up, Slinky from Toy Story, and Sparky from Frankenweenie. And just to throw a controversial one in, Stitch. I'll let y'all debate that one. I could of course go on and on, but I think that is the main ones. As far as the Disney characters guide... There is the Encyclopedia of Walt Disney Animated Characters, From Mickey Mouse to Hercules, published in 1998. And then there is Pixar Character Encyclopedia, published in 2012. And the newest publication came out in 2014, called the Junior Encyclopedia of Animated Characters. Disney Wiki will probably be your best source for a complete list of Disney characters. Well, our final question this week is from Emma Franklin of Nashville, Tennessee, and she writes, Aaron of Radio, I was thinking about Disney's live-action movies and the fantasy ones. I remember one called Dragonslayer. Was that Disney? Someone told me it's not, but I swear it was connected to Disney in some way. Well, I remember this movie as a kid. I always thought the dragon was really cool in this movie. Dragonslayer was released in 1981. The story, set in a fictional medieval kingdom, follows a young wizard who experiences danger and opposition as he attempts to defeat a dragon. It was co-production between Paramount Pictures and Walt Disney Productions. Dragon Slayer was more mature and realistic than other Disney films of the period. Because of audience expectations for more family-friendly films from Disney, the film's violence, adult themes, and brief nudity were somewhat controversial at the time, even though Disney did not hold US distribution rights which were held by Paramount. The film was rated PG in the US, TV showings after 1997 have carried a TV-14 rating. Disney later created Touchstone Pictures to produce more mature fare, starting with of course 1984's Splash. In October 2003, Dragon Slayer was released on DVD in the U.S. by Paramount Home Video. As I remember this movie, I would have never thought it had been a Disney movie. Well, D-Heads, that concludes another installment of I Want to Know. Thanks for the great questions keep them coming. Send all your questions or comments to Aaron, E-R-I-N at DizRadio.com Make sure to include your name and city so I can give you credit. And remember, D-Heads, Laughter is timeless, imagination has no age, and dreams are forever. We'll see you next week, D-Heads.
2: What you thought was a medieval myth there! is about to become ten tons of rapacious reality. Eden is safe. No village secure. And no one can save the kingdom. Except the sorcerer's apprentice. Whose courage is greater than his skill. An apprentice. This is no warrior. Call him what they will. Only he can create a weapon worthy of the name Dragon Slayer. Ands like no other on this earth. An adventure like no other on this earth. Dragon Slayer. Motion picture wizardry that takes you into the dragon's lair behold the beast. Pray for the hero and see Dragon Slayer.
8: Hey, welcome to another installment of This Week in Disney History. I am Nathan, and ready to give you another segment's worth of historical Disney facts and potential trivia. So as always, branching off that, let's begin. Kicking off this week, let's begin with a throwback to This Week in Disney Radio History with show number 106 from April of 2015, featuring Bradley Pierce, who you may know from Beauty and the Beast as Chip, and was also in Jumanji as Peter Shepard. Jump back with us today and listen in. Now, starting out this week in Disney history, we're going to go to 1941, when Walt Disney hosts a luncheon and conference at his studio for government officials and representatives of the defense industries. With the studio strike looming and on the horizon, Walt felt an extreme urgency and need to obtain some government work. In 1953, Walt Disney signed a contract that will change the face of entertainment for us. The two-page document gave Walt Disney Incorporated the right and license to use Disney's name for all commercial purposes. By signing this document, Walt will make the possible with the Disneyland theme park and later such TV series as Walt Disney Presents and The Wonderful World of Disney. In 1976, the television special Monsanto Night Presents Walt Disney's America on Parade officially airs. It is hosted by comedy Great Red Skelton. The parade itself is going to be a temporary replacement for Disneyland and WDW's The Main Street Electrical Parade during the United States Bicentennial. In 1985, the famed Brown Derby restaurant on Vine Street in Hollywood closes after a 57-year history. All the furnishings are kept, including famous booth number 5, where actor Clark Gable proposed to actress Carol Lombard. A Brown Derby replica will later be built at Disney World in the MGM Studios. In 1991, Darkwing Duck, a new animated series, premiered on the Disney Channel. Featuring a wacky superhero duck with the alter ego of Drake Mallard, voiced by Jim Cummings, it is the first of two spin-offs of the series DuckTales. In 1999, chart-topping acts Britney Spears and 98 Degrees hip-hop down Main Street USA during the 14th annual Walt Disney World Happy Easter Parade. In 2011, acclaimed author Ridley Pearson visits Walt Disney World, and he's going to celebrate the launch of his newest book, Kingdom Keepers 4: Power Play. In 2013, April 6th, 2013, is the last time Disney World guests can see the Pixar Pals Countdown to Fun Parade and the Disney Channel Rock Street Show. And in 2014, Captain America the Winter Soldier, a superhero film featuring the Marvel Comics character Captain America, produced by Marvel and Walt Disney Studios Motion Pictures, is released in the United States theaters. And we're going to end this week in history, D-Heads, with a bunch of birthdays around the company again. We're going to start out the, our birthdays this week with actress and activist Maya Angelou, who was one of the original voices of Walt Disney World's Hall of Presidents, being born in St. Louis, Missouri, Estelle Harris, who was the voice of Mrs. Potato Head in Toy Story 2 and 3, Craig T. Nelson, who was the voice of Mr. Incredible, Nigel Hawthorne, who was the voice of Professor Archimedes Q. Porter in Disney's Tarzan, Mary Costa, who was the voice of Aurora and Briar Rose in Sleeping Beauty. John Ratzenberger from many Disney Pixar roles such as Yeti in Monsters, Inc. and Ham in the Toy Story series, and finishing up with actor Dennis Quaid of the Rookie and 1998's The Parent Trap remake fame. Well, D-heads, that's all again for this week in Disney history. Hope you enjoyed and learned something new maybe you didn't know. Feel free, as always, to email me at nathan at DizRadio.com. And as always, guys, have a great week and see you real soon.
9: legend is sung of when England was young. And knights were brave and bold. The good king had died, and no one could decide who was rightful heir to the throne. It seemed that the land would be torn by war Or saved by a miracle alone And that miracle appeared in London town The soul
10: the hilt, in letters of gold, were written these words, Whoso pulleth out this sword of this stone and anvil is rightwise king, born of England. Though many tried for the sword with all their strength, none could move the sword, nor stir it. So the miracle had not worked, and England was still without a king. And in time the marvellous sword was forgotten. This was a dark age, without law and without order. Men lived in fear of one another, for the strong preyed upon the weak.
4: Hi, I'm Emma Ridley from Return to Oz. I played Ozma in the Disney sequel to The Wizard of Oz. And thank you for listening to Disney On Demand
0: disney blues disney on demand
3: i thought you were dead Uh,
0: uh. with your host jonathan johnson what
3: my dad gave it to me it shows exactly where we are on the planet was this baby we'll never be
1: you just tell the man you want to go back to your mother All right, all of you D-heads, so I am back once again. I want to extend a very special thank you to the D-team of Aaron and Nathan for stopping in here, chatting with all of you D-heads with their signature segments. Otherwise, you'd have to do nothing else but listen to me ramble week in and week out. So this week for show number 144, we're continuing on to all be part of something bigger and greater fantasy, wonder, magic, and more as we're all part of a never-ending story. So I am back here. We have more coming from the D-Team. We have Cody stopping in here, Paige, Jason, and we're gearing up for the Childlike Empress herself. Yes, Tammy Stronach is going to be stopping in here as well. So many of you D-heads out there are probably wondering, how is he going to connect this to Disney? Because many of you know, sometimes our guests weren't actually in a Disney movie. But how are we going to connect it to Disney? Well, we always do. Now, let's go back to 1984. Let's go back to those wonderful days of, you know, the 80s movies. It was full of fantasy and, and fun. And, and these are the movies that really stuck with me as a child. Well, how can we connect it to Disney? First off, The obvious they're in fantasia now even though this is slightly different you know in the book it was fantastica but in the movie it was fantasia so come on disney fantasia and fantasia or how about the opening scene yes during the very first ivory tower scene you can see a group of characters that are known to many disney fans out there some of these that you may recognize but and remember you gotta freeze frame this mickey mouse yes mickey mouse is in the ivory tower yoda chewbacca c-3po The Ewoks, E.T., and Gumby were all inside of the Ivory Tower when we were zooming in to find out the fate of the Childlike Empress. Yes, it is that closely that you have to figure it out. That simple, In, in a way to connect it up to Disney. Now, many other things that were connected to Disney here that we can... Put it all together here of course many of the people that worked on the film many of the you know uh, animatronics workers the puppetry work and more were all part of this fantastic movie now some of the other things that you may think of not necessarily disney but there are some facts that many of you might know and i've said this a few times throughout the show here this week read the books you want to read the books because they are so important and magical to read the books whether you're reading bridge to terabithia or you're reading the never-ending story or you're reading the big friendly giant which is coming to film as well as a disney movie read the books these are just a few of the books that are fantastic but you may know in the film atreyu is a human boy but in the book he was green Or how about the horse? Everybody knows that the horse had passed away and for years, rumors were always saying that the horse had really died. He did not. He was sucked down to a tunnel underneath. In the end, the point I'm trying to make here for all of you, Diez, is it's connected up to Disney. Whether that's Mickey Mouse being in the scene, the place being called Fantasia, or when Tammy stops in here very shortly, she's going to tell you something she was doing with everybody's favorite bear, yes? I am talking about Winnie the Pooh. So get ready for that connection as well. So, all VD heads, I just wanted to stop in and share this with you because some of you may be wondering never ending story. Well, come on. Disney gives us tons of never ending stories. It's all about the magic and wonder. And when that ends, all the great stories are going to disappear. If everything continues to be gritty and deep and cutting edge, we're going to lose. The childlike empress in all of us. That simple, that simple story, the imagination, the simple growth as children, the simple growth of society and stories. So all I'm going to say before I get off my pedestal here, and I probably need one because I am pretty short, is just go sit down this week, read with your family, make the memories, and then show them the films. Never ending Story is a perfect one because that film only covers the first half of the book. Definitely worth a fantastic read. So VDFs, with that said, I'm gearing up here in the studio. I'm excited to be part of a never-ending story. As we have Tammy Stronek stopping in here, the childlike Empress very soon. We have Cody stopping in with the Hollywood walk, Paige with another magical music review, and Jason stopping in directly from the vault. So let's continue on with show number 144 for the week of April 7th, 2016. And the next time you hear me, I'm gonna be in the midst of royalty a dancer, and so much more.
0: Start those projectors and look at this week's Hollywood Walk.
11: All you D-heads, it's that time again where we go for a little Hollywood walk and get to know this week's special guest just a little bit better. This week we have none other than the Like empress herself from the 1984 hit movie The NeverEnding Story. Really excited about this one. I remember watching it as a kid, curled up on the couch, big bowl of popcorn, and probably didn't even blink because the movie just entrances you as a kid. Uh, you can't look away. It's a great film, so I'm really excited to have her on. So why don't we get to know Tammy just a little bit better here. She's born in 19 1972, she's from Tehran, Iran, originally, that's where she was born. She is the second child in her family, and back in 1978, her family actually had to flee to Israel during the Iranian Revolution, where they lived for a few years in Israel until they had to relocate to America so the parents could find work. Now, Tammy found this stage pretty early in life, starting out at the age of six taking ballet classes back in Israel. She had trouble following the steps, but the instructor at the time loved her passion and energy so much that they ended up casting her as the wizard in the ballet show for The Wizard of Oz. Man, I had this weird feeling that we just talked about something like this not too long ago. Now with the ballet she would continue that until the age of 14 where she'd then switched to modern dancing stating that her feet had just had enough from doing all the points. Feet were just getting too tired of it so she started doing the modern dancing but dance has always been a big part of her her life from early on. While she was dancing, she was taking some acting Classes as well in San Francisco after her parents had moved to America. She was doing musical theater, which is where she was discovered to audition for the role of the childlike empress, or moon child, as the name Bastian will give her later on in the movie. Around the same time as the never ending story released, she also released a 45 RPM single entitled Tammy Fairy Queen. There were two songs on the album called Fairy Queen and Riding on a Rainbow. And they had that same synth-pop orientation as, like, the NeverEnding Story theme had it to kind of go along with the NeverEnding Story's success, I guess, if you will. And in 1985, she was nominated for the Young Artist Award for Best Young Supporting Actress in a Motion Picture. Now, as mentioned, she was the childlike empress in the NeverEnding Story, which is about a boy who reads a magical book that tells a story of a young warrior whose task is to stop a dark storm called the Nothing from engulfing a fantasy world. Now, Tammy, who played the childlike empress, resides in the capital called Ivory Tower, in the heart of the realm. And although she is nominally the ruler of Fantasia, she rarely interacts with the outside world. Should she die, though, Fantasia and all Fantasians would cease to exist. As explained by Morla, the aged one, her lifetime is not measured in years or in time. She's pretty much ageless, but her lifetime is measured by names, which only the imagination of a human child can give her. This is where Bastion will come into play. When she begins to need a new name, she begins to fade away, causing the nothing to appear in Fantasia. She sends Atreyu the Warrior on the Great Quest, which brings Bastion to Fantasia, and Bastion will eventually give her the name of Moonchild, which restores Fantasia and begins the second half of the novel, which was originally written by Michael Ende. After the film was released, Tammy and her family encountered a lot of fan base, if you will, and it kind of hit them pretty hardly, and they didn't really quite know how to deal with it so after they sat down as a family they kind of decided that maybe acting really wasn't the way they wanted to go it just wasn't comfortable for them so she got away from acting and just focused on dancing which is what she's been doing ever since she's been doing very well she was a member of a well-respected israeli dance troupe based in the u.s called the Netta dance company she joined them in 1996 and she stayed with them for seven years after working with Netta dance company she started her own company project based which is called Tammy Dance and she has performed her own works some of the more popular ones would include The Maid and the Marmalade and Contain Yourself Darling right now she's working with the Paper Canoe Company and is the leading role in Light a dark comedy which is being performed at the Triskelion Arts Muriel Schulman Theater in Brooklyn on Kaler Street and is being performed until April of this year every Saturday and Sunday at 10.30 in the morning and this play is about 11 year old moth tammy lives in a world of darkness where nobody remembers there was once a sun. folks are too tired to notice the odd and sinister workings of their steampunk city but when moth's mother is overcome by the sleep moth is forced to unplug from the world she knows to set off for the slumber yards on this magical theatrical journey she unexpectedly finds a host of lost misfits who together save the day light a dark comedy is an unexpected 90 minutes that touches each of the five senses and is an invitation to explore the sixth. As Moth describes, it's on the tip of your tongue, but the name of the thing, the thing that's missing, just doesn't come to your lips. It's when Moth ventures out into the world and comes to the crossroad of curiosity and dreaming that she understands that only light can overcome darkness. If you'd like to learn more about Light of Dark Comedy, or any other projects that they have coming up in the near future, head on over to PaperCanoeCompany.com. That's papercanoecompany, Company, the whole word, not just the abbreviation for company, dot com and head on over to the Projects tab where you can find more information. As mentioned, this show in particular is going to be performed every Saturday and Sunday at 10.30 a.m. until April 10th of this year. It's nice to see that Tammy hasn't slowed down and that she's still doing what she loved doing even at the age of 6 years old. I'm sure we'll be seeing plenty more of her on the stage and who knows, maybe in the future we might see her on the big screen yet again. Well, that's it for me this week, D-Heads. I hope you found it educational and we'll see you next week again. Feel free to drop me a line if you have any questions or comments at Cody, C-O-D-Y at DizRadio.com and get ready. Tammy's coming out with Jonathan right after this.
10: envelope to Davis and Kerr. Write down that. He not
3: understand that he's the one who has the power to stop it. He simply can't imagine that one little boy could be that important. Is it really me? Maybe he doesn't know what he has to do. What do I have to do? He has to give me a new name. He's already chosen it. He just has to call it out.
6: But it's only a story. It's not real. It's only a story.
3: Why don't you do what you dream, Bastion?
1: It's time for this week's Disney On Demand special guest. All right, all of you fans out there, you tuned in for another magical installment of Disney Blues, Disney On Demand. And as we continue to bring you all the magic and memories from your lifetime of Disney and many other places, whether that's a small screen, the big screen, and more, we have somebody here with us who you may know as a choreographer, a dancer, a professor, but you also know her for all of you out there who have passed this on to generations as the childlike empress from the never-ending story. We have none other than Tammy Stronach here. Welcome to Disney On Demand.
4: Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here.
1: It is our pleasure having you on. I mean, somebody with your resume, so many different talents out there as well, and of course the never-ending story that's been passed on to generations. I guess to start things off, what led you down that initial role of acting and landing that role in the never-ending story of this 80s classic film?
4: Well, I always loved acting and dancing and performing. I was doing it perpetually. Um, but really it was an accident. I was in a musical theater class in San Francisco and the casting agent who had come to San Francisco to look for someone for that role uh, stopped by my class to visit her friend who happened to be my acting teacher and she came 10 minutes early and so she saw the tail end of the class um, before going to lunch and she saw me in the class and she said oh would you like to come and audition for this and I had been doing a lot of plays in schools and I was at the time Piglet in Winnie the Pooh and I was like sure and so I showed up for the audition still with my big makeup on from like a show that I had done that morning (laughs) at school and I really didn't understand what I was auditioning for, the scope of the project, Um, but, um, but yeah, it was something that I had always loved doing and I sort of by accident stumbled into it.
1: Well, you know, and, you know, with that and, you know, getting into acting and, of course, you know, the role of NeverEnding Story, which has gone on now to be a cult fan favorite. I mean, if there's ever any talk of a reboot, I think there would be an uprising. But with that uh, with that film and, you know, landing that role, were you aware of the book and the story and, you know, what your portrayal was going to be in this film?
4: No, I mean, I don't think anybody really was. It was filmed in Germany. Um, It was down at the Bavarian Studios there. It it was in partnership with Warner Brothers. But, um, you know, honestly, when I was doing it, my mom was like, this is going to be a small film maybe released in Europe. Yeah, <laughs> I, I didn't in any way, shape, or form anticipate that um, that it was going to have the the sort of impact it did, and and obviously I'm so pleasantly surprised that it you know touches people and still seems to to matter and impact people. It's really special to be a part of something like that.
1: Well, you know, and with that film, like you said, you didn't know it was going to, you know, have such an impact on everybody and, you know, continue this legacy. And looking back at the film and being on set, um, yeah, um, I guess what was your take of being on set for this? Because it is, you know, a highly, you know, mythical fantasy film, and that was the day before CGI, so you were working with practical effects. And I guess, uh, you know, was it just as magical being on the set? It
4: really was. Um, It was extraordinary. I remember my first day there, asked me if I wanted to go into one of the tents where they were filming the swamps of sadness scene and it was in, it was crazy it was huge they created a actual swamp with hundreds of trees and I don't even know how they got that much mud in there it was a whole world inside of this tent um so yeah you, it was sort of it really was magical so walking around and you open a door and it wasn't CGI. You literally stumbled into this entirely handcrafted, created uh, world, um, and um, I loved it. It was great.
1: Well, you know, and with that film too, like you said, since it's all handcrafted and it, it just made it seem that much more real. Um, you know, looking back at, you know, watching the film, uh, were you just as impressed even at that age at, you know, what the film was and, you know, the final product? I mean, was it, did it just take you away or were you the whole time critiquing yourself as a young actress?
4: Well, and, um, when I was filming it, um, you know, the, the film got created in, like, over the course of a year, I was only on set, I was only in Germany for about two months, and so I was only there for portions of the filming, so there was so much about the film that I had never seen and didn't know anything about, Um, so... And the funny thing is, when I went to the premiere, <laughs> it was dubbed into German. So <laughs> there I was speaking fluent German. <laughs> um, so I, I was taken away. It was really fun because you only have a glimpse—you have a glimmer—you know, you know what you did, and you were there for, you know, to see a few things. But having it all come together with music and um, seeing all kinds of elements that I'd never seen before. I think I was just like everybody else. I was a viewer, and I was transported into the story.
1: Well, you know, and with that, too, like you said, you know, transported into that story is, you know, an understatement. And after the success of the film, in terms of cult following and everything else, are you ever out and about, you know, even at that age and even now, where people just recognize you from that film?
4: Well, I think in some ways um, I lucked out because... Uh, I mean, well, it depends on, on what you see as lucky, but I, I really, I love acting and I love performing. But I I think as a child, I was a little overwhelmed by being recognized um, because sort of, uh, at least I would I just get really uncomfortable and act weird. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but in, you know, you don't walk around to the grocery store in a full princess outfit with a little pearl on your forehead and, you know, with songs all those things I really did just look like any other kid so I didn't I don't think I could say that I I mean people are really funny still today when I meet people they're always like gosh you look so familiar. Do I know you from somewhere? And I kind of smile inside. I I probably, <laughs> <laughs> but but nobody can quite pin it down.
1: <laughs> well, you know, and with that too, you know, you make a good statement. You know, you're out there. You're not walking around in a full princess garb. Which I have to say, my nine year old daughter watched the Neverending Story, and she's like, she's so beautiful. And you know, that's going to be her Halloween costume now.
6: <laughs> oh, that's great.
1: Now, I guess with the film, it continued to gain legs over the years and continue and continue. Now, over these years, have you ever just sat back and you're like, wow, this movie just keeps popping up and it keeps popping up. And then, you know, the birth of the Internet comes and it gets this huge cult following. In your wildest dreams, did you ever think that this movie would still be hanging on all these years later?
4: No, not at all. Really, I really, I, I'm amazed at its sticking power and... Um... I mean, it, it is. It's a never-ending story. It's a cliche <laughs> to say that, but it does. Um, it does keep going. I think it's also a testament to the writing of the book. I think the book was a really amazing book. This, you know, so um, yeah, it just was a, a, a happy thing. I think, I think it was also right before all the CGI stuff started happening which is amazing the cgi stuff is amazing but for so many reasons that it kind of brings up a sort of nostalgia um in in people i think you know sort of the end of a certain birth of a certain kind of movie
1: definitely well and like you said you know the cgi it makes things realistic it takes you into these fantasy places but something like the never-ending story with practical effects it almost makes it seem like it really is a real place and it really is this place in time and you know with the with the film continuing on and with all that, do you have any memorabilia yourself from the film?
4: I do. I have some little figurines um that they sold of the Rockbiter and of me and a couple of the other characters um and I have just they had all these kind of coloring books and coloring pencils. Um, I, You know, I have to say I really wish that I had saved more. Um, I had two luck dragon stuffed animals, but I gave them away to some kids that visited that were really excited about them, and I felt <laughs> at 20 that somehow they deserved them more than I did.
6: <laughs> um,
4: I do have my notebook from when I was filming the film, which I kept, which I find a lot of fun to browse through I was very serious about acting I was a very serious little girl and I have a little yellow notebook where I took notes and wrote down character adjectives and um, sort of fleshed out what I was going to do and it's it's really fun to be able to have that little piece of memorabilia really about keeping track of what was going on in my head at that time.
1: Well, definitely. You know, and looking back at films like this, too, it has to be just almost like a a moving photo album of this place in time for you.
4: Yeah, I mean, I think that's why art is so cool. It is up for everybody. There's the work of art itself, and then there's who we were when we experienced that work of art. And so when we see it, we come back to some part of ourselves that we revisit. And so I think... I think that's why we love movies.
1: Definitely. Now, before we move on to, you know, some other things here, of course, you know, one of the rumors that we've seen all over, of course, well, not a rumor, but a little fun fact is, is it true that you had to, you know, wear some fake teeth on set as well?
4: Totally true. It was epic. They had to do two weeks of, like, dental keeping your mouth wide open as drills make new teeth for you <laughs> really harrowing. Um, yeah, I had this huge set, uh, like, a, like a thing that goes over my front teeth because I was missing um, two front teeth. And so you can see that in the first scene I'm in versus the second scene I'm in, the mouse doesn't quite look the same. And it was hilarious because I had to learn how to not lisp with these enormous teeth that I had to wear (laughs) I figured it out in the end.
1: (laughs) And, you know, and, and I guess, and with that too, you know, that just shows hey, you know, you had to be an actress and push on through it. And I guess, uh, finally closing out with Neverending Story, uh, what were your thoughts of the final name he gave the childlike empress?
4: Well, he said Moonchild, which was the name in the book. Um, so I know there's a lot of, whenever I, whenever people find out I was in it, that's Usually one of their main questions is, you know, what's the name? Because it was a little bit, um muffled. And I remember talking to Barrett and Wolfgang had said to him, if you want to name her yourself, you can shout whatever name you think she should have. And you could see him working away on these different names in his head. <laughs> but he ended up going with the, with the original name that, um michael Ende had given her
1: well you know and that's always a true nod to the book because you know that film it, that's a fraction of how many stories and how great that book actually was so i guess you know moving on from that and that bit of nostalgia for everybody because you know i grew up with it passed it on to my kids and i know people are doing the same but that's also gonna you know you went into you know choreography and dance and so many other things what led you down to wanting to do performing arts like that
4: well i think the never story was um uh you know, a, a, piece of of just my general love for theater and dance it just happened to be shared on a much more public level um I always knew that dancing had a kind of limited amount of time because it's such a physical sport and it's 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 art but it's also athletics it's also you know technical ability and so I think that um I made a decision early on that I would pour myself into dancing while I had the sort of um the youth factor and that I could always come back to acting, although I did do a variety of plays throughout the years in New York even as I was dancing. Um, but now I've really come back to acting at the, uh, My husband and I have started a new theater company called Paper Canoe Company and um it's a a company that really seeks to create high quality entertainment for families and there's also some educational components to it as well um and it's been really wonderful to return to acting and um to revisit these kinds of stories stories that you watch with your mom or dad and and that um and that the whole family can enjoy which is kind of i feel like maybe the neverending story really did have a a pretty strong impact on the ultimate direction of how things are unfolding and what I'm interested in and the kinds of stories that draw me. Uh, I still love all that sci-fi fantasy stuff.
1: Well, you know, and doing something like that, like you said, with Paper Canoe, it actually gives you that outlet now for something that's family-friendly, which I feel that many things nowadays... I I mean, I feel they shy away from because everything is either gritty or intense or for not a certain age bracket. And doing something that's family friendly is something that it opens up everybody. And you never know when you're going to spark that interest. And, you know, a six-year-old or a seven-year-old is, was that kind of the direction you wanted to go?
4: Yeah. I mean, I think that um, having my own daughter now, my daughter is five, I started looking around at uh, shows to take her to because I love theater and I love dance. And I realized that, from my perspective, there was a little bit of a vacuum in that market. Um, A lot of the things for kids tended to be sort of maybe a little bit, in my opinion, too kind of sugary and sweet. And then there was like this real dump to these like really violent stories for kids. And I started thinking about, well, what, what can I make that's a really compelling story that's aesthetically sophisticated because kids are smart and they deserve the same high values of aesthetics that adult shows have. And um, and so it was really about combining uh, you know, 20 years of artistic creation that I had and putting it um, towards creating theater that my daughter would love and, and hopefully other kids would love too
1: definitely you know and like you said children are a lot smarter than you know than most people give them credit for you know i i i never cease to underestimate any of my children now i guess with that and you know all the different things you're doing you know paper canoe dancing you know classics like the never ending story i mean so much on the horizon i guess coming back full circle uh you know before we wrap up here uh you know looking back at the never ending story looking back at the film is there any one character or one scene that was your absolute favorite, uh, you know, to date? And it doesn't have to be your own scenes, of course.
4: Um, I, um, <laughs> I I don't know why. I, I don't think I think I always say this and it always surprises everyone. Um, but I really like the scene with the old, uh, the old guy where he's giving Stalkor a shot and he's sort of puttering <laughs> around with those buckets and stuff. I think I just, uh, I just love physical comedy and clown and there's just something so charming about that character to me. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> definitely not the scene mostly but mostly you the probably no, I, know.
4: <laughs> I know, I know, I know it's just sort of funny but I don't know I'm sort of like a huge Charlie Chaplin fan like anything with a sort of physical comedy I just, I, I really get into it and I also have to say I really love the the rock biter scene where he looks at his hands and he's like I couldn't hold on to them that scene always stood out for me as well
1: Definitely. Well, you know, with that, you know, I know we're, we're you know, taking time out of your day, so many different things on the horizon. And I know so many fans would be just, you know, waiting to, to meet you. If you ever went to a convention, I can guarantee your lines would be super long for people waiting to get that moment with the Childlike Empress. But with that said, I guess in closing here, is there anything you'd like to leave out there for all of your fans of, you know, your choreography, your dance, paper canoe, as well as NeverEnding Story? Is there anything you'd like to leave out there for all of your fans listening in?
4: Yeah. Um well, it's funny, you know, like I said I stumbled into this this part and it was all a little bit of an accident, a wonderful accident. And um maybe it's a little bit cheesy, but the the sort of the line that the empress tells everyone is to do what you dream and I actually would leave that with everyone. It's, life is short and there isn't, you know, endless time and honor the things about yourself that, that you know, make you who you are and do what you dream.
1: Fantastic. Well, it was our pleasure having you stop in, Tammy, take this time with us. And, you know, we're going to be on the lookout for more from you and so much more. So thank you once again for taking that time and stopping in and taking this trip back and a trip forward. And uh, you're welcome back anytime.
4: Thank you so much, Jonathan. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
1: on the hub family movie
6: who will join me on my quest what are we waiting for
5: it's a never-ending night
10: my name is falcon
1: featuring the never-ending story when do i begin yeah! and the never-ending story 2 two never-ending adventures one night you'll never want to end it will be very dangerous the hub family movie the never-ending story and the never-ending story 2 the next chapter check local listings only on the hub network
5: This is Ridley Pearson, author of The Kingdom Keepers and Peter and the Star Catchers, and you're listening to Disney On Demand. My siestas are getting shorter and shorter.
8: Required voice identification.
5: EC82. Hey gang, it's me again, Jason. Welcome back down here to the vault. where the Falkor is always the preferred mode of transportation. So glad to see you all made it back. My apologies for not being with you last week. But fear not, I have returned to bring you another suggestion to add to your Blu-ray collection. Fantasy runs deep here in the halls of the vault this week. With a childlike empress upstairs, I thought I would don my own crown to a realm where creatures roam free and your imagination can soar with no boundaries. No, not the Magic Kingdom, although I was just recently there where I was able to say hello to Paige, but instead to the fabled land of Terabithia. That's right. This week, I bring out the beloved childhood book and forgotten recent Disney classic, 2007's Bridge to Terabithia. (music) Jess Ahrens, played by Josh Hutcherson, yes, Peta started out as a D-head before he was looking for Katniss, is a typical 12-year-old boy living in Lark Creek. He's an aspiring artist, he wants to be the fastest runner in all of Lark County, and like most middle school boys in fantasy movies, has a gang of bullies he's trying to avoid at all costs. Gee, this movie's sounding more like Forrest Gump, but trust me, it's not. Jess also has a little sister, Mae whom you may recognize more as young Snow from Once Upon a Time. Yep, that's Bailey Madison. Boy, this movie is stacking up to be a doozy. Just thinks today is going to be like any other day. Homework, tests, and teasing. However, there's someone new in class. Leslie Burke. On the way home from school, the new duo discover, hey, they're neighbors. Family life in the Aaron's household is less than stellar. See, there's a bit of a financial burden amongst them, and back in 2007, who didn't see that? Jess also feels slighted by his father, where he seems to favor Maybelle more than he. Case in point, when Jess finds Maybell scribbling in his notebook, and rather than supporting his son and his creative side, he sides with his daughter. Now that doesn't mean he's any less of a caring father. He truly loves his family. It's just Jess is looking for his father's approval. The approval that jess is looking for does eventually come but from leslie bonus points for the new bf after she takes a peek at his drawings with a compliment it seals their new friendship Teenage friendship all the joys if only it were that easy today and that's where this leads to one of the best parts about coming home after school adventuring in the woods with a swing across the creek they find an abandoned treehouse where they quickly dub a new realm all to themselves. Terabithia. To Jess and Leslie, Terabithia is a world of fantasy and wonder, a place they can go to escape the world they despise. The great thing for us viewers, we get to see the world unfold literally as they imagine it. They haven't known each other too long, and Leslie feels she needs to celebrate Jess's birthday. She gives him a wonderful art kit. Hey, my birthday's a long way off, but I'll take one. You can send your gifts to Never mind. My gift from you is always listening to the podcast. This was the best part about his birthday, but that doesn't last long when Jess's dad ruins it with his coldness. Feeling devastated, and trust me, Jess, I've been there too, he vows to Leslie that Terabithia no longer exists. Well, that was a short movie, and as short as the movie could have been, so too was Jess's feelings towards Leslie and Terabithia. Tweenage angst. Gotta love it. To apologize, Jess gives Leslie a puffy. Wow, now that's friendship. First an art kit, now pets? I can only imagine how Christmas could be. They must really like one another. She quickly names the new puppy and desident of Terabithia, Prince Terran. Jess and Leslie use Terabithia to imagine those they don't like into creatures they can battle. Talk about the best way to let out your frustrations and anger. Now, Jess's artistic talents have not completely gone on notice. Miss Edmonds, the music teacher, played by the musically inclined new girl, Jess, I mean Zoe Deschanel, yes, the singer-songwriter from Winnie the Pooh, invites Jess to a personalized tour of the art museum. Ecstatic, Jess tries to ask his mother, who half awake mumbles something that may or may not have resembled a yes. Too excited, Jess is off on a day that he's always dreamt of, art and attention. Jess is so pumped that he doesn't even think of asking or telling Leslie. This is where improper communication can ruin the best days of your life. When Jess returns, his parents are worried to death because they had no idea where he was. It's in the same breath that they tell him Leslie has died. It seems that she was trying to get somewhere on a rope swing over the now swollen creek with the recent rains. As you can guess, she was worried about him too and thought maybe he had gone to Terabithia. The next day, the entire Aaron's family pays their respects to the Burke family. There, Leslie's father pulls Jess aside and thanks him. He tells Jess that Leslie truly cared for him, more than he's ever seen before. She was able to open up to him, whereas everywhere else they'd traveled, she had trouble making friends. Talk about a huge amount of guilt that can be seen on Jess's face and on Jess's shoulders. It's Jess's father that sees it as well and consoles him, saying Leslie's death is not his fault and that he should keep her memory and friendship alive for his sake and hers. After some chocolate milk, okay, I made that one up, but that's what I would delve myself into if I was feeling like Jess. He goes, and decides to make a new Terabithia. First change, a bridge so that no one will ever get hurt. Second change, Terabithia needs a new queen. Jess sees only fitting that Maybelle deserves to, to come into her own in this imaginary land. She is elated, since every time she's wanted to be a part of their little group, she was denied. And so now ushers in a new era in Terabithia, with Jess as its king, and May as its princess. I honestly love this book. When I first learned that there was going to be a new movie made of this 1977 Katherine Patterson novel, I was a bit skeptical. The images that swirl in your head as you read a beloved book never equate to what eventually makes it to the screen. Plus, there was a television movie made in 1985 with Annette O'Toole, as shown on PBS through the program Wonderworks, that had already made an impression on me. Will they ruin yet another one of my beloved childhood books? Satisfyingly, no. It went over and above my expectations, and I couldn't have been more pleased and ecstatic to see this film over and over and over. Okay, you can tell, I've watched it a lot, and I've read the book even more. I think that I share so much in common with the character of Jess, a young artist, someone who's misunderstood, a person who creates a magical world that characters help him cope with a world that just doesn't understand him, and that is why I love the book and the film so much. Let's get into those details when it comes to the Blu-ray. When you pop this brilliant gem into your player, you're going to get the best digital transfer of the film. I cannot say enough. This is one of the early Blu-ray releases Disney did, and they did not compromise. The picture quality is spot on. It is in widescreen with no black bars. Again, for an early Blu-ray, this film is brought to you in glorious 1080p, and at the time, almost unheard of. The post-production does not look second-rate. Everything is seamless and awe-inspiring. You feel as if Terabithia could honestly exist, and most of us, It really does. The same goes for the audio. Mastered in digital 5.1 surround sound, it honestly brings Terabithia even more to life. Now, for my favorite part, the bonus features. There's a featurette called Backstage, a supplement that showcases all of the visual effects that help bring the magical land to life. It also delves into the story plots and themes, as well as introducing a music video for the song Keep Your Mind Wide Open, sung by Anna-Sophia Robb. All in all, this is a stellar piece to add to your collection. You will laugh, you will cry, a lot. And that's okay. It's honestly a story full of heart and soul. That's what makes this a modern Disney classic. So find time to swing into Terabithia. If you can't find it to purchase at your local retailer, there are a number of streaming outlets that you can get it from. I could go on and on about the wonders of this film, and if you want to start a conversation about that, you can always email me, jason at disradio.com. Even if you don't want to talk Terabithia, we can talk about anything. I love movies, so we can discuss them all. Tell me what you like. Tell me what you don't like. What would you like to see me pull out of the vault? I'm here for you. Keep in touch with all of the other members of the D-Team by going to disradio.com. We are one giant family. Hmm. I guess that makes me the crazy cousin. Oh, well. I'm going to file this one under O for Ogre, and I will see you again on Monday with a new Monday movie memory. As you can probably guess, there's a lot that I can pick from because I have many memories for this film. Be sure to watch for it in your feed, and then join me back next week for a new blue for you to view here on Disney On Demand in the vault. So until then, gang, remember... The magic of Disney movies is a swing on a rope across a creek, and deep inside of you.
3: Race to the end of the road. On your mark, set, go. <laughs> What are you doing? Leslie! Leslie! You're not gonna believe this. Wow. See the whole kingdom from up here. Look at it. it. What do we call this place? Terabithia.
2: This winter, when you go looking for adventure, be prepared to find more than you ever imagined. To
3: Just close your eyes, but keep your mind wide open.
7: And their dealings
10: with stressed envelope to Davis and Kurt. Write down that. Welcome to Bobby's World.
6: The three friends found a hollow log.
10: A world where learning and fun come together beautifully.
3: Tigger soon came back to look for them.
10: This is a special kind of fun. Fun that inspires more learning. Continued learning. The continued growth of a young child's mind. Your child. Your four to eight year old because now the very book Bobby is reading, Disney's Winnie the Pooh in Tigger 2, will be sent to your boy or girl free as an exciting introduction to Disney's wonderful world of reading, brought to you by Grolier. Big, beautiful books featuring favorite Disney characters like these, Mickey Mouse, Donald Duck, Dumbo, Pinocchio, Peter Pan, Snow White, Bambi, and many others. Every book is illustrated in full color. Every one carries the good housekeeping seal. And the only book club to offer these exclusive read-it-yourself books is Disney's wonderful world of reading. Each month, your child will receive two new Disney books worth $3.50 each at retail at the low club price of only $2.65 each plus delivery. But you're not obligated to buy any books ever. And you can cancel any time. As a welcome gift, your boy or girl gets Winnie the Pooh and Tigger 2 absolutely free plus Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, and Bambi, both for only $1. That's three Disney books worth $10.50 at retail, all for just $1 in a package addressed personally to your child. What's more, act now, and we'll include this colorful Disney book rack, a club exclusive as a free bonus. So hurry, here's how to water. To get your three Disney books and a free book rack, send $1 to Disney Reading, 1600 Court Square Building, Baltimore, Maryland, 21202. That's $1 to Disney Reading, 1600 Court Square Building, Baltimore, Maryland, 21202. Send $1 to Disney Reading, 1600 Court Square Building, Baltimore, Maryland, 21202.
12: Hey there, D. Heads Page here with an all-new magical music review. Now, you know I'm a big fan of musicals, so I thought it'd be fun to take a look at two of my favorites from the movies, particularly that were produced for TV. Back in the 90s, The Wonderful World of Disney saw its third era. In the late 90s, Disney produced two TV musicals that aired on Wonderful World of Disney. On November 2, 1997, Rodgers and Hammerstein's Cinderella aired, and almost two years later, on November 7, 1999, Annie also saw its premiere on the renewed Wonderful World of Disney on ABC. Both musicals have continued to be popular throughout the years, so I thought it'd be great to take a listen at some of the selections from each of these musicals. Sit back and relax as we journey back to the wonderful world of Disney in the 90s and listen to the music from Rodgers and Hammerstein's Cinderella and from the equally classic musical In. Now, when you talk about Rodgers and Hammerstein, there are many songs that come to mind, especially with Cinderella. There's Ten Minutes Ago," The Stepsister's Lament, and In My Own Little Corner. But what is interesting about the 1997 production is the inclusion of two songs that aren't in the original musical. One comes from the Rogers musical No Strings. Serving as the opening number, the sweetest sounds is sung by Cinderella and Christopher, played by Brandy and Paolo Monteban. The duet is sung in the village, but as each character goes about their own things, completely unaware of their singing partners. Very light and whimsical in the instrumentation, it sets up the fairy tale mood perfectly. It's a softer dynamic in the beginning, building after Brandy finishes her verse and changing keys when Paolo comes in. When Brandy does come back in, the two sing the verse in a round before ending the last line together. The song serves as a great introduction to the characters and the music to look forward to throughout the rest of the production. You see? 1999 saw the debut of Alicia Morton, who played the title role of Annie. This adaptation also saw a young Lilane of Lizzie McGuire fame and a young Sarah Hyland as Molly of modern family fame. The soundtrack includes all of Charles Strauss and Martin Sheridan's original songs, minus a few such as We'd Like to Thank You Herbert Hoover. But an adaptation of Annie wouldn't be complete without what is probably the most famous song from the musical, The Hard Knock Life. Sung by Annie and the orphans, the lyrics consist of the girls describing their life in Miss Hannigan's orphanage. The instrumentation is full of strings, low brass, high brass, and of various forms of percussion, such as drums and chimes. To signify the girls' frustrations, the instrumentation has two consecutive quarter notes that punch out in the music at different points. For being down on their luck, though, these girls still come together to complete the morning chores in Great Song.
3: It's the Hard Knock Life! For us, it's the Hard Knock Life! If you grow or if you shrink, no one dries when your eyes get wet and weepy from the crying. You would think this place would oh. Empty belly life, rotten-smelly life, full of sorrow life, no tomorrow life. Santa Claus, we never see. Santa Claus, what's that?
12: Everyone knows that the character who is just as important as Annie is Daddy Warbucks, who in this production is played by Victor Garber. But I've always considered the second most popular song from Annie, I Don't Mean Anything But You is Annie and Warbucks' Duet, sung right before the Big Christmas celebration and the celebration of Annie's adoption. Describing how they fit together perfectly like Fred and Adele, the two point out that even with their differences, nothing on earth can ever divide them. A much lighter and upbeat number with high brass, winds, light percussion, and strings. It's overall a warm and happy song, sung between two people who have grown to love each other as father and daughter. Leapin' lizards, just look at this joint!
0: You know what, Ed? What? I think I'm the luckiest man
2: in the world.
3: And I think I'm the luckiest kid.
2: Together Together at last. Together Forever. forever. We're tying a knot They, they never can, can sever. sever
10: I don't need sunshine now To turn my skies to blue I don't need anything, anything but you You've wrapped me around That cute little finger You've made life a song You've
9: made me the singer
3: And what's that?
0: Ba-ba. Anything but you.
3: Yesterday was plain awful.
0: You can say that again.
3: Yesterday was plain awful.
10: But that's.
3: Not now. That's then. I'm poor as a mouse.
10: I'm richer than Midas.
12: But, but nothing, nothing on, on earth
10: could ever, ever divide us.
12: If tomorrow Whitney Houston served as a producer for the 1997 production of Cinderella, and her name appeared in the title card presenting the film. While being the original choice to play Cinderella, she chose to pass the role to Brandy, who in turn asked Whitney to play her fairy godmother. Just as the film began with a song outside of the original track listing for the musical, it ended the same way. There Is Music In You is originally from the Rodgers and Hammerstein film, Main Street to Broadway. Whitney sang it as the finale for Cinderella. Still holding the fairytale feel in the instrumentation, the song continues to build and build, reaching the final verse and a push to a grand close. It also serves as a great platform to highlight the late Miss Houston's beautiful voice. And so I don't interrupt the number, I'm going to sign off here. I hope you've all enjoyed this week's Magical Music Review, and thanks for coming back to Disney On Demand every week. As always, feel free to connect with the D-Team and myself on the D-Wired Facebook page and with me at at pageatdizradio.com. Have a fantastic rest of your week, D-Heads, and until next time, remember, there is music in you. See ya!
0: You on those magical journeys from your lifetime of Disney. See? Wow! It's Disney on Demand. Dibs! Here's your host, Jonathan Johnson.
4: Okay, I'm convinced. And a little disgusted.
1: All right, all of you D head, so I am back and I hope you enjoyed this week's show. It was a fantastic romp through the never ending story and Let's just say these stories are still going to be going on non-stop. I want to extend a very special thank you once again to the very talented Tammy Stronic for stopping in here chatting with us, taking that trip down memory lane, and of course your newest ventures, being part of the Paper Canoe Theater Company, your dancing, and so much more. Thank you once again for taking time out of your schedule and chatting with all of us here at the show. I'd also like to thank the D-team of Aaron, Nathan, Cody, Paige, and Jason all for stopping in here this week with their signature Segments. Without you, there would be no show. You add that bit of magic and memories so all the D-Heads don't have to just listen to me ramble week in and week out. And remember, connect up with the D-Team on our official website at DizRadio.com. And finally, thank you, the D-Heads. You are the reason we continue to do this show. You are the reason we are here six years later, continuing to bring you the magic and memories from your lifetime of Disney. You are the reason we do this every single week, helping you relive and capture those moments from your life. You are giving, passing it down to your children, and so much more. So thank you, the D Heads, for the honor of bringing the show to you. Now, before I clue you in as to who's going to be stopping in here next week, yes, as always, I'm going to give you all the different ways you can stay connected here at the show. And first and foremost, you can always visit our official website at dizradio.com. D-I-Z Radio. Dot com. There you can find our full list of past shows, the complete archives, our latest news blogs, and more right there on our official website at dizradio.com, D-I-Z radio You can also connect up with us or the social media outlets on Facebook at facebook.com slash Disney On Demand. You can also join our Facebook, d Disney Discussion Group on Facebook as well. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and many other places. All you have to do is search Disney On Demand. Diz Radio, D I Z Radio, or Disney Blue, B L U, all of which are going to help you get connected with our fun, quirky, unique, magical little show. And remember, if you just can't wait for it to get posted to the website and many other places, all you have to do is subscribe through iTunes and Stitcher Radio. It is that easy. Go there, subscribe, and get the latest shows on your mobile device, your Android, your iPhone, your tablet right away as they get released so you can have the magic playing instantly. Within your ears, And all you have to do is subscribe through iTunes and Stitcher Radio and get it right there for you to enjoy. Remember, you can find all these links and more on our official website at dizradio.com, D-I-Z-Radio.com. So all of you D-Heads, with that said, everything is out of the way. We're continuing to be part of this journey, this never-ending story where we read, we get immersed, and so much more. Next week, we are going somewhere that's slightly different. We're going to go into comic book realms, maybe a little bit of outer space, some animatronics, and even some Muppets. So get ready. I'm leaving it at that, all of you D-heads. So as I always say, slow down, take time, never neglect family for business, and this week really does prove that. Sit down this weekend, read a book with your family, with your children, read a book yourself, and then watch the movie following it, really get immersed, and help continue on our lives as part of this never-ending story that Disney continues to contribute to all the time throughout all of our lives. Until next week, all of you D-Heads, have a fantastic weekend, and let's continue on and be part of the never-ending story. See you next week, D-Heads.